This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First World Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. Everything you see there is in Canadian funds. So to all you American listeners, it's a little bit cheaper rate once you get it shipped down to you. And don't worry, International, they ship worldwide as well. They update daily. Like I said, they got comic books. They got wrestling figures. They got wrestling pictures. Old VHS tapes, old WWF magazines. Yes, that used to be a thing. You could collect those there as well. So please visit firstrow.ca. And if you're into nerd culture and video games, most likely you're into books. If so, please visit bossfightbooks.com today for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like NBA Jam, Final Fantasy V, Silent Hill 2, and so many others. Everything you see there is in paperback format and ebook format. So please visit bossfightbooks.com today and if you want to support me monetarily you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device it's embedded right there in that link click on it sorry embedded in the description click on the link takes you right to the merchandise store i got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to mugs to baby onesies to kids t-shirts you name it it's there go support me that way but if you don't want to support me or the sponsors monetarily totally understandable the most easiest thing the freest thing, the thing that takes you two seconds, do it on the shitter, do it on your ride home, do it in public transit. It doesn't matter. It takes two seconds. But leave a nice review, obviously. Don't leave me a crappy review because that defeats the purpose. So leave me a nice review. Give me five stars or five hearts or five thumbs up, whatever the platform is. But most specifically, do it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So, this week's guest is a stand-up comedian, a producer, a filmmaker, a boxer, and a professional wrestler. Mikey Gordon, a.k.a. Dirty Ron McDonald. Hey, Steve, man. You're, you are quite the professional uh, host here on the show. Uh, I love the way you put over the sponsors, but you're like the most Canadian motherfucker I've ever heard in my life. Like, I'm surprised... <laughs> That poutine is not sponsoring the show, as well as Molson. How do you not have Molson Ice on this shit? Like, what is going on here? Uh, okay, uh, I gotta know no though. Mo- no Molson Ice. 
what makes me Canadian then? What what about that introduction does make me Canadian? What the way I deliver it or what? Do, do you are you listening to yourself? Be like, I, I, no, it's almost like it's almost like a caricature. It's oh, funny. Fuck. No, no. It's like <laughs> if if I if I had if I had a if I had a character to cast in a role as a, as a, as a Canadian, okay. you would be in just on voice alone. I mean, it's not necessarily the look, but the voice. Oh, gotcha. Well, you know what. No, once COVID's up, and if I'm ever in the San Diego area, you need a Canadian, anything, ring announcer, manager, anything, hit me up. <laughs> oh, no, you hit me up. I'm running live pro wrestling every Saturday down here in San Diego, Ocean Beach. Uh, too bad that we're only on the audio right now because mm. you can't see this dope-ass Street Fighter 2 shirt I have. <laughs> or you can't see that we're inside of uh, the little venue and uh, wrestling school that I run down here in San Diego. Uh, we're two blocks from the beach in Ocean Beach, San Diego. Nice. Uh, we call it the O.B. Rassel House, R-A-S-S-L-E House, O-B-R-A-S-S-L-E House. Mm. And uh, we run live pro wrestling here every Saturday. No, that's pretty cool. Trust me, we're going to get into wrestling because that's what the majority of this show is most likely going to be. But first, I want to touch on your comedy career quickly. When did you want to do comedy and how did you get into comedy? Like, what was your inspirations or did wrestling come first? What was actually first, too? Oh, I, well, you know, wrestling's always been there. My mom was a professional wrestler. There you go. Um, and, you know, uh, wrestling's always been in my blood. Um, I've always been a fan of professional wrestling. Um, so comedy really came out of the necessity to further my skills as a wrestler and to gain more skills as an overall entertainer. Um, oh, so, okay. you know, uh, it, it, being a wrestler, you have to have different skills. You do, you know, comedy, improv, drama, stunts, all in one take yep. with an audience 360 degrees around you. So, you know, like you, uh, you know, like the, you, you, you have to like sharpen your skills somehow besides just in the ring. So I was like, well, you know, comedy seems fun. And, you know, it's something that you really have to dedicate yourself to. Um, of course. I started like 2010 and then, you know, for like, and then it really wasn't until 2014 that I really started taking serious. And for six years, six or six and a half years, I was doing comedy six to 12 times a week. Oh, wow. Um, you know, hitting as many stages as I could. That's crazy. So, okay, I got to know then. What's the weirdest or most fucked up thing that's ever happened to you on stage? Because this is what I love asking all the comedians I've had on. Okay, well, I have a really good story. Oh, nice. Um, Perfect. We, uh, My wife and I met at an open mic comedy show. Okay. We were doing a, uh, an open mic at this uh, biker bar, and uh, I, I was up first, and I was doing a good set. Um, and then I like I said I said something about a biker gang, and one of the bikers was like, "Wrong gang, motherfucker!" And oh, I was shit. like, "Oh shit!" So I got <laughs> I got quite tight butthole real quick, you sure. know. Like I wasn't very comfortable at all <laughs> at that point. And uh, so while I'm on stage, little did I know, my wife is off stage with the uh with the host okay and the host was like i'll give ten dollars to anybody that calls those guys fucking douchebags okay so these are hell's angels right so i get off stage and i'm scared shitless right and i hear i i i'm outside like shit in my pants because i had a bad set and she comes outside and i was like i was like oh no like oh my god we got we got to go right now. You know, like I, I know what she thought it was funny, right. but you know, calling those guys that and being a man, like I know what they have to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I was like, we got to go right now. And 
it was the weirdest, like cringeworthy situation I've ever been in. Um, not yeah. comedy or not. Oh my god! So well, what ended up happening? Did you get your ass kicked? Well, like, well, did they just let you no, guys no, go? I, I grabbed her. I grabbed her and we left. Oh, like, okay, me. okay. <laughs> she came off stage. She was like, "Did you hear what I said?" And I was like, "No." Yeah, that's it, a first. Well, you know, not, it, it wasn't even the use of the word. It was, it was who she said it to. Right. And me being the, the man, and they're not gonna fuck her up. Like, but there's like, there's a bunch of them that like, I'm gonna get fucked up for sure. You know, I don't want to do that. Oh my god! Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so let's get into some wrestling then. Like you said, your mom was a professional wrestler, so you're one of those, as they call a lifer. Who are some of your favorites? What did you watch growing up? Like, how did you get introduced to it? Other than your mom? Um. So you know, I. We always got the WWF pay-per-views because, I don't know, I guess my mom watched, we watched that one. That was the, the one to watch. Like, um, I was always more into the, the theatrics of wrestling anyway. Uh, you know, that's what attracted me to it is that and the, the, the ability to manipulate emotions. Like, that's what that's what professional wrestling is. So, you know, you can yeah. make people feel something that isn't necessarily real. So, you know, like, to be able to take that um like what what is it the, you know they get that, the people get lost in it like sure. the same way they do movies of like when or when you're reading a book and you know i <clears throat> i find that the most fascinating part about wrestling from the get-go mm. um i was always more of a fan of Vince McMahon and eric bischoff than i was of any wrestler oh, wow. uh and paul and, and paul Heyman, of course right um you know and, and and you know getting further into it you know people like bruce pritchard and you know, like the guys that write the stories that touch the, the that, 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 you know, pull at the emotional strings. Of course. So being somebody that can do that as a performer, even on the level that I do it, that, you know, like, like when I had a, I had a retirement match last year, I've been wrestling okay. for 21 years. Sure. So, you know, like off, off and on, right. you know, probably had something like eight, 900 matches or something. Okay. Um, you know, um, you know, I, you know, wrestled for WWE one time, wrestled for Ring of Honor one time. Wrestled, you know, like I worked, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of different spots. Um, Juggalo nice. Championship Wrestling, uh, you know, my own promotion. Right. A little bit in the Midwest, a little bit on the West Coast, whatever. So, you know, like, uh, but the, like, I've, you know, I've always been a fan of telling stories, whether it's in a match or on a show. Like, sure. that's, that's, that's what we're doing is we're, we're telling stories. So, you know, like being able to be inspired by other stories, but being able to write my own stories with basically my own cast of characters, real life superheroes. No, that's crazy. No, of course. No doubt. Because that's what I love about wrestling, too. And I love the whole circus act to it. Like to me, the more off the wall, the better, which leads to everything that you pretty much do, because it's so unique. It's so different than what you see nowadays. So for people who don't know, you're more into that. Well, at least recently, I don't know how you started off, but like the hardcore, the death matches sort of that thing were you always doing those sort of matches or were you doing like i guess they say technical matches to start off no like i did backyard wrestling um oh, okay. I, I was always more akin to the, the hardcore because i you know honestly i saw that as an easy way to get pops oh. um, and, <laughs> sure. and, and it's, it's, it's true it's true it is but you know like what i learned as performer is how to build sympathy for myself and how to get people behind you and not be, and be kind of an anti-hero, you know, like somebody that sees the world through their own eyes and would rather have a couple hundred people that love me than a couple thousand people that like me. 
you know, like yeah, that makes sense. What, when, and on whatever level that is. So, you know, like, Hey man, you know, uh, what what we're doing what what i've been doing has worked for me so far i haven't had a clock in in a number of years um and i've been able to work as an entertainer nice. um you know through wrestling and comedy and you know um and, and in a number of ways of you know just uh bringing laughs and smiles to people's faces um you know uh i i, I love it you know I've, i'm a i'm a lifelong performer and uh, a lifelong producer so now how about those people who knock down hardcore and death matches and say that shouldn't be a part of it, that's just crazy? Or even those so-called social justice heroes that be like, oh, it's it's bad for them, it's you know, in the long term they're gonna get concussions, this, this, and that. What do you say to all those type of people? So I talked I have I've had a lot of conversations with Sabu. Um, oh, okay. You know, uh, Sabu is like de facto my uncle, you know, he's <laughs> like he's like he's like he's like, you know, he's like you're like the nephew I never had, you know, so she told me that one night. I, I don't know if he remembers that, but, you know, we were, uh, we were having a lot of fun that night. Anyway, um, you know, and, you know, one thing that Sabu said, he's like, he's like, I don't understand deathmatch wrestling. People are like, you're the godfather of deathmatch wrestling. He's like, I'm not. He's like, you know, like I was doing shit that people weren't doing with tables. And I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, in the way I saw it through his eyes was like, he didn't see what he did as, crazy as what they're doing now and he's right but at the time what he was doing was as crazy as what these guys are doing now to me sure now we all we all see things differently and you asked my opinion on it so like to tell you the truth like to me when i'm doing something with blood or skewers or thumbtacks or you know like i'm getting bloody it's it's for a reason. I'm not doing it every match. You know, right. I'm not doing it, and I'm not knocking people that do. Um, if that's your thing, that's your fucking thing. Right. You know, like I run a wrestling show every Saturday. I produce a weekly 15 minute TV show called Get Fisted TV. Mm. Um, you know, and so I, I have to be able to withstand. I, I'm not trying to. You know, like there's no need for me personally to get nasty every week okay you know um but like i'm not knocking guys that do i i i'm more interested in a story like if a story if it makes sense like i was totally into the nick gage ricky shane page fucking uh storyline you know yeah. like like that's the shit i like you know i like john cena versus bray Wyatt a couple of years ago wrestlemania like people shit on that ass i like that you know, too like, don't worry i i love i loved it especially like like when I watched it, I knew I was seeing something special. But like going back and hearing the story, right. you know, and, it, and having to make sense, it's like, oh shit! Like that's all like, that fucking makes sense, right? So you know, I, I love wrestling for the ability to tell stories. Yeah, and, and that's and the other thing I like I mentioned earlier, it's not that it's just a circus and it's car crashes here and there. It's that everything should be different. Like if you have, I think I read this on Twitter the other day. Why would you want? the same for every promotion wouldn't you want every promotion to be a slight different because then what's the point of having different promotions right that's the no that's the fucking beauty of wrestling now thank you you can find whatever you want you know like so we do some weird wild and wacky shit over here at fist combat you know but we have a, a little bit of like we truly have a smorgasbord on every show and the shows are designed like that but the the see like as a comedian and as a wrestler and as an entertainer overall i've learned a lot of things Number one is that you have to give the show to the audience that the audience expects. Now, you have mm. to understand your audience. Now, it's That's taken true. me 20-something years as a wrestler, 37 years as a human, 
to realize what knowing what your audience is now your audience could be at a fair that's never seen wrestling before they could be at a pwg which is pro wrestling gorilla type shit where they've yep. seen everything and they expect a certain level of wrestling of or you could be at my show that has a hundred people at it they're all getting drunk and yelling at the wrestlers that 50 of them woke up and got a flyer on the street that day and didn't wow. know they were going to wrestling when they woke up right. so like <laughs> you know you have to understand your audience as a comedian i do a lot of shows where like last night i did a show you know at a comedy club where there were 60 people there right. and half of them were barked in off the street so they didn't know they were going to comedy that night until they got barked in sure. so how do you I, I i had to go up fifth so you know i had to listen to all the comedians and what jokes worked and what jokes didn't now uh-huh. i got you know like i got uh, i got some good bits in there uh but I, I had to listen to what the audience was like before I went up there. So mm. understanding your audience is, is key. And I think I I think we do a pretty good job of that here. I think personally, um, I've been doing a better job of that every day. And I'll continue to do that. Uh, but listening and knowing your audience is the most important thing as an entertainer. Yeah, no doubt. It's so true. So, okay. I, you mentioned... F- f- Fist Combat, how did all this get started? When did you think you wanted to promote? When did you think you want to put on a show? And do you regret it? Do you love it even more than wrestling? Like, what's going on? Aha! I fucking hate to love it. <laughs> um, I love to hate it. I love to hate it is more accurate. Yeah, that that's the thing, I think, yeah. I love to hate it. Um, no, I hate... I hate... No, no, I hate to love it, really. Because... Wrestling is one of those things where it's there's nothing in the world that is a better drug than <laughs> the roar of an audience. So, so I've heard, you know, like um, nothing gets you that like wrestling does. You know, this um, combat started in 2007. I didn't know I was going to run wrestling. I actually quit wrestling at the time. Oh, okay. I quit 2000. I ran. I started in 2000. I had my first match in 2001. I quit early. I quit like mid 2006 when Matt Seidel and uh, Delirious and Daisy Hayes all moved out of St. Louis, mm. which are my ride buddies. So oh, okay. um, <clears throat> when they moved, I was like, I'm done with this shit. So um, 2000, in 2006, I was approached by a friend of mine um, and he was running a wrestling show and he needed some financial help. So I was like, 23 and I was running my own advertising business and I had a little extra cash and I was like, sure, nice. I'll help you run this thing. And after a couple shows, he ran out of money. So I kind of took over. And, uh, from 2007 to 2013, I ran like a hundred shows or something in the St. Louis area. Um, and then I moved to the West coast, mm. met my wife six months after moving out here. Uh, and then, you know, she convinced me to run wrestling again, and I blame her every day. Um, you know, because it's it's something that you just can't quit. You know, at once I told her, I'm like, once you get in, like you're in. Like you can't. Sure. You're running a wrestling promotion. You know, now we went from running, we went from buying our own ring and running shows at bars to having our own venue, having two rings, and running shows every Saturday. Oh wow. So, you know, like we have our own venue that we run full time now that runs comedy and bands and all sorts of shit. So, um, you know, it's a it's a full plate. And that all started from running wrestling. 
So. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty, okay. Now I got to know where did the whole idea of dirty Ron McDonald come from? Like, do you love McDonald's that much or do you hate Ronald McDonald that much? I mean, well, first fucking look at me. Like I, I know when I do a video, but I look like the little orphan Annie. Fuck Danny Bonaduce. Fuck. I love Lucy. Fuck Kenny Powers. Fuck Carrot Top. Fuck, oh my God. The ugly bitch from Sex in the City. Fuck. <laughs> Pennywise, the clown, fucking Chucky from what Child's Play, Chucky from Rugrats, spaghetti-headed, Ed Sheeran, wow. you look perfect tonight, looking fucking OB, Richie Cunningham, fucking Partridge Family, I don't know. I, I That's mean, a I long look, list. I, I'm a, I look like Ronald McDonald had a cocaine problem, so <laughs> I took that character yeah. and kind of ran with it, um, and it connected with people. For the first time in 15 years as a wrestler, I had a character that I, I desired many designs of shirts mm. and desired to be booked all over the country. So, you know, I wrestled in something like 20 states, Dirty Ronald McDonald. Oh, wow. okay. Never before had I wrestled in nearly that many states as a, as a character. And it just it connected with people. So, you know, I kept doing it. And I, it, I found more and more that Dirty Ron is me. I am mm. Dirty Ron. Like, that's who I am as a person. That's crazy. And I yeah, know that's pretty cool to hear. Okay, so do you also perform comedy as Dirty Ron or do you perform as Mikey Gordon? No, I perform as myself as okay. comedy. But I mean, you know, like I said, I, I kind of am Dirty Ron. So my my material tends to be a little bit more filthy. Uh, sure. You know, I, uh, I try to draw a lot. I try to make 20% of the audience cringe. <laughs> sure. If I if I hit thirty forty percent, like it'll get awkward. But I'm not. I'll steer right into it. I don't give a shit. You know, like <clears throat> I'm not saying I'd ruin a show, but like right, right. If it happened, it happened. You know. And the thing I love the most too is all the puns. Like even when you're introduced, you're weighed in by like what is it? Four Big Macs, six six pack McNuggets. Three medium fries, like you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I let I let the ring announcer have creative control with that because I say I give the idea. I'm like, look, <laughs> pick some shit off the menu and fucking say it. You know, I'm like, you figure it out. So people have fun with that one. No, so e even when the people are, are commentating too, they're like, oh, he just got hit in the McRib. Oh, there goes his McNuggets. Like you know, again, it's perfect pun. There's so much material. Like you could stretch this character out, like you said, for for so many things, right? You know, uh, and, and that's I, I love I love being able I love having a character that people give a shit about that they'll go on the wild ride with me. You know, sure. like when I had a retirement match last year, people cried. Oh wow! You know, like it was it was it was touching. You know, <laughs> like people gave a shit that much that they actually cried real tears wow. at, at, at a scripted pro wrestling match. Like it, it was it was really like it was like whoa! You know, like. I knew I knew what we were doing was powerful, but like that whole night was emotional because I fucking I ripped down a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist that night in the middle of the ring. Um, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist from the LA Times tried to write a story about us during wrestling in a pandemic last year. Okay, and uh, they tried to change the story to being about my logo being a black power fist. Oh, and, shit. Uh, I pulled the guy in the ring and basically called him out. Like, listen here, dude. Right. 
you have a voice as a journalist. You win that. You won the biggest award a journalist can win, and you're using your voice to race bait and fucking cause more tension. And you're not using your voice to be powerful uh, as you could. So like, I'm not going to be a part of your bullshit fucking story. Right. Tell your editor to take my fucking nuts and run that story. So I said that to him. I go, get the fuck out of my town. Turn around. Right. Get the fuck out of here. Go back to LA and tell your editor to run my nuts. All that shit. And then the crowd, you know, pop huge, whatever he got in his car and fucking left. But the ending to that story is the LA times did write a story about me last year. Mm. And it was the story they intended to write from the get go. Oh shit. The story about, hey, you know, like, these guys are out here trying to put on entertainment during a pandemic. Okay, good. We're not trying to race bait people with a Black Power Fist logo. Good, good. No, that's good. Well, it's very rare that you hear an actual good outcome out of that, because most would have just ran, like you said, would have tried to get that, that race click, right? Yeah, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't going to let them fuck me and fuck wrestling, and I wasn't going to let them encapsulate my 20-year career as a wrestler. Of and course. 14 year as a promoter in a 7 to 10 word headline it wasn't going to be good looking for me you know no no most definitely well I want to talk, touch a few of your matches because you've had some crazy ass matches first one I want to touch on is was back in 2017 where you popped some acid sang not a single kick punch or move was thrown or given but you made delirious quit because you pointed a gun at his head what the fuck is going on here all right, well, so wrestling is 100% mental. Right. So I, as, as, as my character, I've experimented with acid before my couple of my bigger matches. Oh, wow, okay. In, in, order, in order to see within. Dirty Rod believes that we are our own God, and... In order to see God, taking acid helps you to see God, but to really see within because we are our own God. So on that night, as well as a couple other bigger matches, I, I, uh, you know, I acted out that I took acid. Okay. And I, I experimented in that match. So that match was an I quit match. Right. Um, and like I said, wrestling is 100% <laughs> mental, so... I wrestled Delirious is mine. Delirious is insane. Of course. <coughs> However, if I am God, because I look within and find God, right? if I am God, well, then I can control his mind. Okay. So what we did in that match was mind fuck. My, we played mind chess. And in that whole night, if you watch that match, there was a 24-7 rule for the championship that night. Okay. Also, a tag team match brawled out. They brawled back in during that match, brawled back out to end that story. Sure. Several stories of the night ended during that match, which, you said, not a single strike was thrown. Yeah. And we played mind chess with each other. <laughs> but at the end of it, I got fed up. And I pulled out a gun. Actually, a cop came into the ring with a gun. And I hit him, and I took that gun, and I pointed at Delirious, and he quit. 
See, again, something different. You don't see this in other promotions. <laughs> no, and uh, a little behind the scenes. Yeah, of course. Uh, some of the wrestlers did not agree with the ending, not, okay. not having any physical action. Oh. So we ended up beating the shit out of the cop, which whatever, that was fine. But, sure. uh, and I quit match. I, it was inspired by some wrestlers back in the Midwest that experimented with stuff like that. But, uh, you know, having an I quit match and having a mental chess, I don't think it's ever been done before. <laughs> it's true. I've never seen anything like that before. So you said you experimented with acid. Anything else that you drop or do? No, so um, I want to be very clear. Michael Gordon does not take acid before I wrestle. Right. That would be that would be irresponsible. Okay. Um, that's why I'm telling you. My character, Dirty Ron McDonald, is experimenting with acid before his matches. Okay. I hate to I hate to break back the veil, but I mean, let's let's be real here. It would be irresponsible for anybody to partake. In any hard substances, if they're not prepared to do that or ever and before wrestling, um, and you know you want to be as safe as you can with all your opponents, so doing anything like that is is very frowned upon. Um, I do not condone anything like that. I've never done anything like that, right? right. Um, and you know, but uh, Dirty Ron McDonald has. So you know, um, <laughs> as a character, as a storyteller, I was yes. very proud of that night. Um, I also took I asked it in a match with God recently. That's true too, yes. And and Dirty Ron again was on acid, and I guess that's the only way to have a match against God, right? <laughs> well, uh, so you know, everybody wrestled the Invisible Man, and I yes. I wanted to I wanted to do it, but I was like, well, how can I do it, right? Right, right. I wanted to make sense. So at the beginning of the year, I started calling. I was like, listen. I need some answers. There's craziness going on in this world. Somebody's got to answer for the shit. I don't care if it's Donald Trump or Mahatma Gandhi or <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ himself. I need some goddamn answers. You know, so I'm calling out. And all throughout the next open, you know, the next few months, these messengers are coming out of nowhere and beating the shit out of me and trying to send me a message like, you better shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> Turns out it's God. And he's like, listen, dude, you better chill out. Crazy. Um, you know, you're calling out, he basically, you're calling out somebody that can answer for all this shit. Right. So that's me. So quit calling me out. So I was like, fuck that. <laughs> Let's call out God. So that night, I also took acid because I believe that we are our own God. So you search within and find your own God. So <laughs> that's what I did that night. And God was really my my own ego mm. so you know i'm fighting a giant ego and my ego beat me like picked me up on a ladder and slammed me on a thumbtack right. fucking choke slammed me onto that shit like put me coast to coast through a door <coughs> yeah. like really beat that really beat the fucking shit out of me like <laughs> like god whooped my ass and and in the story it's more my own ego that whooped my own ass Okay, that makes because I was gonna say again in the Dirty Ron character when you're cutting that promo, I'm like, this guy's crazy. You're talking to God like that. Don't you know he could strike you down at any moment? <laughs> well, God's our own interpretation of God. That's um, true too. And, 
I was uh, I was very pleased <coughs> with the outcome of that. Okay. I think some people were, were not at all. Like, uh, in fact, I got a couple messages of people that were like, I don't know if I'm going to continue to watch your product. Uh, I was very turned off by the Invisible Man match. And I was like, well, you probably just didn't get the story, but, you know, do whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, another crazy match you had was with the infamous Nick fucking Gage. How was that? How did all that come up to be? Because it was like a joint promotion between you guys and GCW, right? Um, yeah, we'll call it that. Uh, so... I've, uh, as a promoter for, you know, going on 15 years now, I've only booked two matches for myself. Oh, okay. Uh, one was I tagged with Sabu. Okay. And the other one was against Nick Gage. Uh, it was, that was our first, um, that was our first dealing with, with Game Changer Wrestling. Uh, we helped him with some things before that out here, and then we brought him out here, um, and we did a joint show. It was a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, I brought him out here a day early, so we really got to, uh, you know, hang out, uh, you know, I really get to know each other, you know, um, you know, just as, as competitors and as wrestlers and as people, so that was really nice, um, but, uh, you know, when, when we got in there, it was like, hey man, what's uh, all fans bring the weapons? Right. Yeah. Let's go out there. Let's get these people. Let's give San Diego a show. And dude, that's what we fucking did, man. We laid it down, San Diego. We did not give a shit. We said, all right, we're gonna go out here. <laughs> and like first spot of the match, I'm gonna throw a bag of cocaine in his face. So I did. <laughs> that's crazy. <Boom. laughs> man, he took that shit right in his face, Steve. He said, "Fuck you, motherfucker." And he threw it in his own face. Oh, threw it in my face. That's a fuck that. Threw it in my own face. Then we beat the shit out of each other. And then we grabbed the bag of cocaine. Oh, we threw each other in each other's face. Then we punched each other some more. And then he fucking, I, I dove and he moved out of the way. And I dove into the second row. Right. And then we started the match. Yeah. And we went all over Joe Joe's. We yeah. all, a referee quit that night because we almost threw him over the 50-foot <laughs> balcony to the concrete. Oh, my God. Dead serious. See, that's a true story. Wow. I got hot sauce poured down my face. I sported yes. mustard in Nick Cage's face. We had light tubes, thumbtacks. We had yep. everything. And you know what? I I know for a fact that respect is a two-way street when it comes to Dirty Ron and Nick Cage. <laughs> I know Nick Cage got mad love for fist combat. I know Nick Cage got mad love for Dirty Ron. I got mad love. MDK all day. Fucking visit the website. Fucking hit up my boy, man. <laughs> Fucking MPK all fucking dude. I was so proud. Right. When I saw, like, think about this. Dark Side of the Ring is this uh, little fucking series that's going on on Vice right now. I, I say a little. That's that's downplaying. Yeah, I know. Very. It's popular. a big series. It's a big yeah. deal. Um, and and they they've done a lot of Dark Side of the Ring stories on non-active wrestlers, retired or deceased wrestlers. Yeah. Nick Gage is the only one. The guy who won while he is currently a wrestler. Nick Gage is one of the baddest ass motherfuckers I've ever met. I was I was honored that he would come down to San Diego and get in the ring with me. Nice. However, that night, there was not a finish to our match. Our match was interrupted by a couple of assholes, tag yep. team champions. So we decided to unify up and whoop their ass together. Our outcome did not come out great. So me and him down here in life, oh, oh and oh, we got one coming. So... Nick Gage, 
I love you, homie. But, uh, you know, we got to get it going on again. Of course, you got to have a definitive winner, as they say. Okay, one thing that was introduced in that match that I've never seen before in a wrestling match as well was a fucking huge-ass rubber dildo. Now, is that the weirdest weapon you've ever used in a match? I mean, you know, probably. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, it was expected. You know, I don't want to unveil the curtain on that one, but, like, yeah, you know, like, what, you know it was whatever. It was, it was uh, quite hilarious. Uh, I, I found a lot of comedic value in that. Um, the weirdest or shittiest one ever was in a fans bring the weapons match. And my opponent had lemon juice oh. and he squirted at me. I just happened to like be- turn over. I was okay. bent over. He squirted it up and I was breathing in. <gasps> and I was breathing all this lemon juice. Ooh. And I was like cut on the face and shit already. Like, oh, no. man, it was bad news bears. And fucking, I couldn't breathe. Any motherfuckers like choking me for real. Like, dude, wrestling is so awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. That's what I tell everyone all the time, man. I don't understand people who don't. Like, okay, to me, I think wrestling is something that at least everyone knows about and should have at least watched once in your life, right? Well, that's who I produce wrestling for. When I meet people out, you know, see, they always tell me, like, I like wrestling when blah. I like okay. wrestling when... Sting was blonde. Sure. I liked wrestling when NWO. I liked wrestling when fucking Kurt Angle. I like so I'm like <laughs> fuck that. I want to produce wrestling for people that used to like wrestling. So Makes with sense. my shows, it's very like face heel. Um, it's very palatable to the common person. Sure, we're we're in a high traffic area, so the majority of our crowds each time are people that are flyered in off the street. We don't do. We don't have a high budget. We use a lot of the same guys. It's a different show every week. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, but it's uh, you know it's a weekly show, and San Diego is only so big of a town. But we're a tourist area, so you know we pack the house about a hundred people down here, hundred twenty people. Um, you know, in our little uh, in our little practice gym where we have two rings. Right, right. Uh, down in San Diego, myself and Ryan Kid, Mister Excitement. Big shout out to him. Uh, the most incredible partner I could possibly ever have. This guy's trained in all corners of the earth for many, many, many months. Only 25 years old, 10 years in the business. Trained for almost half a year in Japan, Dragon's Gate, all over the fucking place. Nice. All over in Great Britain, uh, Mexico uh, for, you know, over a year. This guy is the most well-versed wrestler I've ever met in my entire life. I'm proud to have him as a business partner. Um he, ride, he fucking he crushes it down here. Uh, couldn't be happier. And uh, we run all the school down here and run some live shows. Nice, nice. Okay, so out of all the matches you've been in, you've been in some crazy-ass cage matches, bar wire, like I said, death matches. What's your favorite type of match to perform in? Huh, every match. <laughs> like, you just don't care, huh? <laughs> well, you know, think... Let me tell you this. I don't want to sound cocky. Okay, okay. But... Thank God I'm running my shows every Saturday because the indie scene can't fucking hang. Like, like when I come to a show, I don't care where I'm at. I am coming for the match of the night. I'm coming to pop that crowd mm-hmm. harder than anybody else because I'm I'm getting I'm getting people to believe in pro wrestling to forget where they are. Sure, and and look at me and look at me and go, you know what? 
I don't care about all these motherfuckers out here. That guy right there, that guy's legit. That guy will fucking crack a beer, crack a fucking head, come out and party with you afterwards, believe it or not. And I'm here, not for a long time, I'm here for a good time. And I'm going to have the best time. So you goddamn know that shit. So I want people to look at me and be like, you know what? I believe in that motherfucker. I want to support that motherfucker. That's fair. I, I, I want I want people to believe in me. No, most definitely. No. What's the like, okay, so we talked about your favorite matches, you don't really have one. Now, what about like the most craziest thing that you've ever done to someone or that's ever done to you or that you'll never do again? Do you have anything like that? <laughs> uh, I'm not that dumb. I'm not going to answer that shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about this, to be fair? Is there anything... Oh, Steve, Steve, let me get this right. You're trying to get me to rat on myself. Okay, is that right? No, not really. I'm just like saying, like, is there anything that, you know, maybe you're looking back, you're like, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, so, shit, fuck it. Oh, no. Um, uh, so, a couple weeks ago, New Jack died, right? Rest in peace, OG New Jack. Right. Fuck it. I've had the privilege of being on a few shows with New Jack. Okay. And he is everything that people say he is. I, I, he, everything he portrays, that motherfucker is wild. Right. Um, so I'm sure he went out fucking like a gangster. Okay. Uh, so next night, I had a show, and I did a tribute to New Jack. <laughs> okay, okay. And, uh, and one of my students came on the show and was like, whatever, whatever transpired, and there was the idea to re like like uh, like to have like a moment like that where like, he was like the state athletic commissioner and he was like I, like we were gonna give him color like he was gonna get blood right right and and the decision was that he wanted me to do it so he kind of freaked out and it kind of didn't go exactly the way we wanted and he was bleeding a lot oh no so you know like. I've done that before because, you know, the situation called for that. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I, that's, that's a tough situation. Like, like making somebody else bleed. Like, mm. I don't like doing that. Like, okay. I don't like causing pain to other people. Like I'll take it. Sure. I don't care. Like I, I, you know, I don't mind taking pain at all. I think it's, you know, it's fine. Uh, you know, like people like who and I, you know, like whatever. And, you know, like it's just, it's my kind of therapy, you know, like to get that and to, you know, get that shit out and really to, to understand like there's a way to do that shit and to not make it, uh, you know, not make it like as dangerous as, as it might seem. No, no. And how about this? Is there, is there a limit to dirty run? Is there something you won't do? I fucking hate glass. Oh, uh, okay. fucking, you know, I don't, you know, like the money would have to be so sick or the opportunity would have to be so sick for me to even like do that shit. Cause like that is not worth it, man. That fucking like there's, there's levels to this shit. And okay. like, if anybody ever called me a death match wrestler, um, 
I would I would decline that that title. Um, I'm not a deathmatch wrestler. I do I wrestle a hardcore style that uh, you know involves blood, guts, shit. Um, you know, gory. I guess I'd call it before I'd call it deathmatch. Um, right, right. You know, because those guys are a different breed, man. Um, you know, and I have mad respect for that shit. Like I couldn't do that. That's why I don't take that. I don't take that that term lightly. Um, so okay. you know, yeah. I have bad respect for deathmatch wrestlers. That's a there's there's a different different level of those guys. Like you know, there's levels of this shit, and uh, that's a totally different level. Oh, for sure. Okay, and I also read somewhere that you invested pretty much your life savings into making a movie. Uh, yep. Yeah. I was wondering if you were going to get to that. <laughs> I come prepared. <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I had this idea for a stoner comedy flick. Okay. It's basically like Rocky, and the uh, Apollo Creed is basically like Ric Flair, played by Effie. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. And, uh, you know, my mentor, like Mick, is like Rob Van Dam. Okay. So, the story is I'm the son of Ronald McDonald, the, you know, CEO of that fast food chain. Sure. <laughs> And then I'm just like a fuck up. So I get fired and then I beat up my manager. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then outside, you know, this guy, this homeless guy sees me. And it's Rob Van Dam. He used to be like, you know, a world champion or whatever. So he's like, hey, I can train you. So anyway, it's a stoner comedy flick where my, my roommates are like the Jack in the Box, and the fucking Hamburglar and shit. My best <laughs> friend's the Burger King. And oh, my God. My fucking crush is Wendy and shit. So, you wow. know. Played by Katie Forbes, but we, you know, we had a bunch of wrestlers involved in the film, so you know, it's okay. it's, ha- it's halfway done, and uh, you know, one day I'll finish it. But uh, <laughs> you know, right now I kind of ran out of money, so you know, we're we're running this little venue here, and you know, we're running the school, and uh, you know, hopefully one day we'll figure out some way to get it finished. But it's not over till you give up, so you That's know, I'm definitely not giving up on that. Now, without having any other, well, I guess wrestling, there is experience with filmmaking, but having no solid filmmaking experience before, did you find it hard to try and make a movie? Uh, well, the team I had, I thought was good, but, you know, um, we didn't get it done. So, you know, uh, I, I paid everybody off and, uh, you know, got my footage back. So, um, you know, I have, you know, I, I paid for everything, so, you know, I might as well have it. And right now, you know, there's a couple options that are kind of on the table, but uh, you know, I don't. I definitely don't have a uh, timetable at all. Um, and you know, right now, I have a lot of other things to focus on, like running this venue and you know, sure. getting this all dialed in and shit. You know, and, and you know, honestly, like it took a lot out of me that film did. Um, okay. You know, a lot of hope went into that with the team that I was working with when I started the thing. Um, and you know, it didn't really work out the way that I wanted to. And, you know, like, uh, uh, it's very unfortunate that it didn't work out that way because, you know, um, now it's basically, uh, me trying to reform a team to Mm. put this thing together. Um, and you know, it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, it's, it's what I, you know, what has to be done. Now, another thing I wanted to ask you, too, before we get to the worst story of the week. 
I, when I was watching some of your clips on YouTube, I noticed a clip with Tommy Chung. So did you guys work with Tommy Chung in Fist? Was he involved in anything? Uh, so he was supposed to be a part of the film. Uh, you know, mm. he was offered a role. Uh, okay. There was a deal on the table. Um, you know, a contract was sent out. And then COVID hit. So, mm. you know, um, he's, uh, you know, he's elevated in age. He's like 83 years old now. So, right. You know, um, I know that getting him out was difficult, and uh, and now we are we are where we are. So you know, um, but for that clip, I just happened to be at a weed convention that I was wrestling at, and okay. he was there. So <laughs> I was like, "Yo, what's up, bro?" Chris Combat. I was like, "Yeah, that was Combat." So you know, I was really lucky there. Oh, that's cool. Ready for the worst story of the week? Rock and roll, we see what's rock and roll with it. Okay, I tried to pick one out there because, you know, sometimes you got to be PG with certain guests, sometimes, but with you, I know everything, balls to the wall, you're up for anything, so I tried to pick a doozy, so bear with me here. So, this week's story comes from Spain, where a son and a mom didn't really see eye to eye, all right? So, everyone's been there, not to say with your mom, but, you know, Family squabbles, everyone gets into it with their siblings or with someone. Maybe there's a cousin you hate. Everyone's been there, right? So, so far, everyone could relate to this. Now, here it's where it gets freaky. So, a, so police was called to the 69-year-old woman's house after no one has heard from her for about over two weeks. When they got there, they found something out of, like, Saw and Hannibal. If you had to guess, what do you think the police found when they opened the door? Um, a key stuck in her vagina. What the fuck? <laughs> wow no man way worse you said, like saw yeah so it's you know it's gotta be a little bit gruesome alright we'll lay it on me alright so alright so if people are eating stop eating for this little second there were body parts found everywhere some cooked some raw just lying around some in the fridge some on the floor so allegedly the son had major issues to the point that the mom had to get a restraining order against him. So this is why he wasn't really around and he came to visit her, I guess. So the 26-year-old Spaniard decided one day he would go visit the mom, like I said. They got into the argument and then he strangled her to death. He didn't know what to do with the body. He was nervous. So he proceeded to cut her up into pieces with one knife and one hacksaw in order to bury her. Because that's he wanted to get rid of the evidence. Maybe he saw like those old mobster movies, you know, how they cut him up and you know they dumped the body, whatever, you know what I mean? So that's what he well, wanted smart. to do. You gotta, you gotta also put them in lie. Lie like we'll eat the eat the flesh. Oh, see. I think. I, yeah, wasn't that from uh, Breaking Bad? I don't know. I don't know why I know that. <laughs> so, anyways, in between. Him cutting her up and trying to bury her. This is when he supposedly blacked out and he didn't remember what happened, but he ended up cooking and eating her and even feeding some to the fucking dog. So when he was in court, he admitted to strangling her, yes. But like I said, he doesn't remember anything because he has what he calls personality disorder and he said he was on some heavy-duty drugs. Sentencing still to come. Crazy, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> where, where the hell do you find these stories? <laughs> On the fucking internet, man. <laughs> Dude, somebody sent me a video of a dog eating this pedophile's like crotch. And I was like, oh. why the fuck did you send me that shit? Like, that is 
that shouldn't exist. Like, I don't want to fucking see that shit. Like, dude, that's gross. Yeah, no, yeah, there's some dark shit on the internet, man. If you go looking, you'll find it. Steve, why did you do that to me, dude? <laughs> well, here, here's a lead-up question. Would you see the character of Ronald McDonald ever going this far in a match? <laughs> man, that's some next-level shit. <laughs> that, what, like feeding a person to a person or to a dog or some shit? Yeah, even that. Talk about I quit match. <laughs> Man, to cook a person that like I don't know how you would I don't know how you would cut a body part in a wrestling match without doing it. Ah, uh, good right point. Down, that is a good point. I wouldn't lose a limb for a wrestling match. Like <laughs> I'd have to be getting paid a lot of money, or like I guess that's the last way to go viral. <laughs> How about, now you, you want to go? You want to go viral? Lose a limb, and then that could be your final retirement match. Because how are you going to come back from that? Well, I got to regrow the foot, the finger. Well, you can do that too. I, I'd have to get it cut off clean, and then take it right to the hospital and have it put right back. On. No, how about this? In the rematch, it could be like a foot on a pull match. Then if you reach it, you could get you get it back. Oh, a whole foot? Nah, nah, see, now you're being silly. I need a foot. I'd take a pinky, though. Like, two digits down on a pinky. Like, dude, if I took that, like, you could sew that back on, for sure. Well, yeah, as long as you ice it and you have the pinky. Right. Like, you could just sew it back on. Like, do you just think of somebody that cut my finger for real? Like, that'd be, that's that's some next level shit. Okay, I, I got to stop giving you ideas. Next thing you know, that's I do see you go viral. It's because of that. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm not that desperate for attention. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Ron, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Taking the time, telling me some crazy-ass stories, going through some of your crazy-ass career. It's been a pleasure. Plug your shit where people can find you. Anything up and coming, floor's all yours, man. Uh, yeah, everything's at Dirty Ron McDonald. Um, you know, um, uh, my, re- my wrestling movie, a pro wrestling movie is, uh, you know, still in the works. Rob Van Dam, Katie Forbes, uh, Victoria, Matt oh, Seidel, nice. Effie, 20 some pro wrestlers are in the film. So, yeah, um, it, it'll get done one day and everybody <laughs> will get to see this thing. I told them the trailer's out on YouTube, uh, but you know. Believe in yourself all the time. Uh, you know, if you really put your mind to something, you can really accomplish it, right? But you can't make it like you can't be somebody that makes excuses. Like so many people make excuses, but the the, the reality of it is, do you really want it or not? Do you fucking do you want to make excuses or do you really want what you want? Like. And the people that know what they want are more comfortable and can see clear. And, you know, I don't know if I'm one of those people, but I feel like whatever I'm doing is on the right path to making myself feel as good as I can about myself. So people need to quit worrying about shit they can't control and start 
taking responsibility for for the things that they do and 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 know that anybody can accomplish anything that they put their mind to as long as they don't make excuses as long as they see mistakes as mistakes you learn from nice. learn from everything you do mm-hmm. make sure those mistakes don't become habits and that I like that you're going to do everything you ever wanted to do no well you put know? Well put. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, it most definitely helps me out. And please, most importantly, like I said, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One last thing before I let you go. You met Vince McMahon. Please tell me how that went. Vince McMahon is the coolest dude I ever met, right? Like, how could how could it get better than that? So I wrestled Braun Strowman on Raw, okay, um, as an extra uh, back in 2016 on October 10, 2016. Okay, and um, afterwards, you know, I just I kind of went back through gorilla position where Vince McMahon and everybody are. Sure, and I, you know, I was kind of like, thank you, thank you, cut my head down. Yeah, yeah. I go to where the extras are, you know. I, Got a bottle of water, come back to the gorilla position, like where the TV is, where all the other extras are. Yeah. And here down this long hallway comes Vince McMahon. <laughs> so I see him. There's like 40 people between us. Okay. I see him. He see he's look like I swear to God, he's looking right at me. So I was like, bet. I'm gonna stop right here and I'm gonna wait for him to walk by and I'm gonna say something to him. Mm. So um that uh you know it's going on for a second and then i look up and he's halfway there and he's still looking right into my eyes and i was like oh fuck i did something wrong because (laughs) see they tell us they told us on raw because i did a promo on raw oh okay this is the splash brothers splash brothers response show in october 10 2016 okay so uh they told us when you do the promo do not look right into the camera so what did I do? I looked right at the camera. Oh, no. And now it's at this point that I think Vince McMahon's coming to look at me to come find me to come yell at me. Sure. So I'm like, fuck. I can't go forward or backward. There's no door. There's no no. that he's going to be here in any second. So I look up, and there he stopped right there in front of me. Okay. And I look up, and there he is. 12 feet tall. Maybe 26 feet tall, Steve. I'm telling you the truth. Oh, the legend. There he is. And I'm looking up at him and he's looking down at me. I'm looking up at him and he's looking down at me. I'm looking up at him and he's looking down at me. And, he put, and I'm scared as shit. Scared. He puts his hand out. He said, great job. You did a great job tonight, son. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Nice. Gave me a chuckle. That was such a great job. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Thank you. You did a great job. Thank you so much. Hmm. And then a minute later, Stephanie McMahon approached me and said basically the same thing, but less like a guy. Right, right. So, uh, (laughs) coolest night of my life. Oh, that's awesome. Perfect ending. On that note, he's Dirty Ron McDonald. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.